0: This is a Science Set Free podcast with myself, Mark Vernon, and Rupert Sheldrake. Hello, Rupert. Hello, Mark. I thought we might talk today about how we're not just individuals, but that we belong to families and, in fact, other kind of networks or systems um, of people, um, and maybe more than people. I've become interested in this uh, quite recently because um, I've started doing workshops using a modality called constellations. Um, which is a way of trying to explore not just people's intrapsychic life, which we do in psychotherapy, um, but also how um, their wider networks of connections um, have an impact upon them as well. Um, and broadly, the idea is that whenever we have a link with um, other people that has a kind of quality of passing on life, um, this too um, affects us and we carry that around inside us, um, be it... Um, consciously or not. Um, So the most obvious place that happens is with families, um, that we can carry on um, problems or indeed gifts. Um, It works both ways, I think, um, from previous generations. Um, But also it can happen in other networks where there's a kind of liveliness. So for example, in the workplace, especially in very creative work, um, where there's a kind of spirit alive in the organisation, you might say. Um, Similarly too, you get networks uh, forming and people get caught up in that spirit um, and it both enables but also can disable what they can think and experience or the problems they have. Um, So I'm very interested in this because it it has this rather expansive um, sense of what it is to be human, which I think can be a very good counterpoint to the otherwise rather isolated sense that people can have of themselves and then they wonder you know, why, what, what's going on with their connections and
1: why mm. they feel they have problems that aren't somehow their own. Mm. You, you come across this. Oh, yes. Well, my wife, Jill Peirce, uh, is, practices family constellation therapy and I've been to quite a few sessions myself with Jill and with Bert Henninger, the German uh, founder of this particular form of working with families. Um, And also with other practitioners in in this area. Um, What struck me the first time I went to one of these with Bert Hellinger in London uh, was how the whole thing looked like a morphic field of the family, my own theory of morphic fields, the way in which parts are bound together in a larger whole, Uh, sort of took shape before my very eyes. The way he works, and probably the way you work, was to ask somebody to pick people from the group, the workshop group, to represent the father, the mother, the brothers, the sisters, etc., and then arrange them in a kind of living tableau, standing in a group, and the person would arrange them in accordance with the way they thought their relationships were. So, for example, if a father had left the family, uh, then he'd be far, far away, facing in a different direction from everybody else. Uh, So it's kind of representing the members of the family and representing their relationships to each other. Well, (coughs) this struck me as being like a kind of embodiment of the field of the family, and I was very interested by the way that his way of working with it uh, treated the representatives as if they were part of that field, and they often, he'd ask them how they felt, and they'd often say, not what they felt as themselves, but as representative within that field position as the father or the mother or the brother or whatever. Um, uh, th- the field, as it were, seemed to come to life. And then, um, in his method, um, and I suppose in the field in general, you've done more of it than me, I, uh, The one of the key problems that appears in families is where people either exclude themselves from the family or become suicidal or feel excluded or feel they have to leave. And very often this seems to echo what happened in a previous generation with someone who was excluded from the family. Um, And the healing process uh, seems to involve identifying that and then having a constellation of the previous generation and bringing the excluded person back in. Uh, And this seems to have a healing effect, not just on a a kind of theoretical one on the family, but uh, one that's actually experienced by the person and sometimes by other members of the family who may not even be there at this session. The key thing um, is that the the person, it's not the whole family that has to go. There are representatives. One person can go, and the whole thing is done with representatives of the family. The idea of an unconscious memory carried from generation to generation in the family field fits rather well with my idea of morphic resonance and memory, a kind of resonant memory across time.
0: Yeah, the, the, I think the, the very fascinating thing about the Constellation's technique um, is that it seems to be able to surface this unconscious dimension um, and this field dimension um, really quite simply, actually. Uh, it, it happens... Uh, some people uh, use ritual around it. Some people will use meditation around it. Um, for myself actually I prefer to keep it um, relatively sort of going directly for it actually Mm -hmm. Um, and um, the the people that are asked to represent various aspects of someone's system um, it's key that they don't act it's not about acting things out in fact people try and act it out it rather spoils it yes Um, the key thing is just to stand in place Mm -hmm. um, and to go with these kind of embodied feelings looking up, looking down, looking away is this good, is this worse these rather simple sort of movements Mm. Um, and it is remarkably revealing um, of what's going on for the individual in relation to their system as a whole and then of course also throwing up um, aspects which they themselves um, maybe didn't even really know about Mm. um, and that they can then subsequently investigate and and find out Mm. It, it throws up what you might call sort of emotional truths um um, often in terms of relationships between people um and then that can be substantiated uh, Mm. by doing a bit of family research i mean i think it 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 connects in very nicely with people's interest with um family trees and so on Mm. and which is a very big part of our culture now Mm. um knowing about the ancestors who do you Mm. think you were um and uh Uh, I think part of the reason why that is um, so fascinating and sometimes so moving for people is because they're at once discovering about their ancestors and discovering about how their ancestors are still alive in them and Mm -hmm. how they can find out how parts of their own motivations in life uh, the reasons why they show certain jobs or the reason why they felt certain difficulties in relation to certain things um suddenly spring to life when they realize it was a pattern that's been passed down mm. um, and reconnecting with that lost memory that thing that was secret the thing that got lost as you say and mm. um, by remembering um is immensely healing in itself mm. um we, we, in a way, I think in the West, um, have rather lost touch with how to relate to our dead, would mm. perhaps be another way of putting it. Um, and um, this is one way of doing that. Um, I remember once coming back from a constellations workshop, um, and I bumped into a West African friend of mine who was just coming back from awake. And I said to him, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, I didn't realise someone had died. And they said, oh, no, no, no one's died. It's just that we meet once a year and remember our dead. Um, and I, I thought, that what a good thing that was. It completely made sense um, mm. in terms of thinking about constellations as well.
1: Well, of course, we can do that through All Souls Day, the Day of the Dead, which is still big in Mexico and in many Catholic countries, but which, of course, we have here in Britain, with both in the Roman Catholic and the Anglican traditions. Um, and my wife, Jill, who does this family constellation work, um, during one of her workshops um, in London which is always held over the uh, All Saints, All Souls Day Halloween, All Saints, November the 1st, uh, All Souls Day, November the 2nd um, has in our parish church, led by our vicar, a requiem in the evening to which members of the workshop are invited nearly all always they all go, I mean even if they're Jewish or atheist or they still go, and I play the organ for it. Um, So I've seen a lot of these, and they're extraordinarily meaningful experiences for people because, as in other churches and and the standard format, people can submit names of people they want to be remembered. The vicar reads them out or chants them in the service, and people light candles in memory of uh, the dead. Um, And I think this is a something that's part of our own culture not just West African culture but part of our own culture that many people have just forgotten or simply don't know exists but I myself find it very important to remember those who've gone before not just members of my family but teachers and people who've influenced me and uh, people who've played a part in my life and, and friends who've, who've passed um. so I, I think this is a kind of blind spot of our whole culture actually mm. but Uh, in our cultural roots there is a way of dealing with it
0: Mm. yeah i mean it makes me think about how it really speaks to what it means to be part of a a tradition and how traditions can be alive Mm. and they can be traditions um through kin um your family traditions if you like but as you're also saying there they can be traditions through um perhaps religious associations um, or cultural associations again anything which life which passes life on I think has this kind of quality mm. um, and uh, knowing that you can have a felt link back to those who have inspired you, those who have breathed the spirit into you literally, mm. um, it can be a tremendous experience. Mm. Um, I mean for me um, part of the um, interesting constellations too um, and I know this is the case with Bert Hellinger as well is how it picks up on the kinds of relationships you can read about, say, in Plato. Um, so one of the things which Plato is very interested in um, is the notion of justice and how um, the just individual or the just society um, for him meant an individual or a society which is at harmony with itself, where the relationships are in some kind of uh, exchange, balance, respect, Um, Now, this doesn't mean uh, necessarily a conservative kind of closing down, um, but what it does mean is um, in order to move forward, it's really important to acknowledge the past. Um, And it's when you're in some kind of denial about the past, actually, you can't move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, these kind of themes are picked up in dialogues like Plato's Republic. Um, But what's very lovely about the constellations technique um, is it makes it into a living practice, not just Mm. a theoretical discussion Mm. But you can read these principles sort of on the page of Plato, and then you see them worked out um, in terms of uh, people's own movements and shifts Mm. in relation to their own systems. Um, So it's it's an immensely rich practice, actually. I think that can Mm. link, you know, in one way to traditions about the dead, Mm. um,
1: traditions about in ancient philosophy as well. Mm. And do you find, since you've practiced psychotherapy with individuals and with groups and this family context, uh, do you find it more effective or just doing something different? I and mean, what's your own experience of the results? Yeah, I mean, I think personally there are links.
0: Um, I know there's a debate about this in the constellations world at the moment, but I personally think there are links. Um, in psychotherapy, there's an area of uh, sort of modelling the inner world, which is known as object relations. It's a rather clunky phrase, but the idea is that within us, we have sort of subpersonalities. Um, that are kind of alive and that they have their own dynamic and their own set of relationships. And what can cause people trouble in life is when these inner relationships are at odds or in conflict with one another. Um, And I think one way of thinking about constellations is that it externalises that inner kind of dynamic. Um, And I think that particularly makes sense when you think that a lot of these inner personalities will be the internalised um, parents, for example, an internalised version of the mother or the father. And then, of course, because they've got their own internalised relationships too, that goes back to grandparents. Mm. Um, so you might say we're not just one person. We are a kind of um, an attempt to bring together all that has happened to us through our extended families. Mm. Um, and then the same could be the case for our cultures as well. So I think this area of object relations um, offers a way of um, linking psychotherapy with the constellations view but I think the other thing a more practical thing that is really important to bear in mind is that although in a constellations workshop um, you can have a new felt image of what's possible for you or a sense of something shifting something being resolved um, and that can happen you know in the course of a day long workshop and that's valuable I think it still takes time to really work that through and integrate it into your life um, because um, as it were, prior to therapy, you will have invested a lot of time, knowingly or not, uh, building up a personality um, that's either trying to welcome things in or hold other things at bay. Um, so conversely, when you have a new realisation about your life, about your system, um, it takes time to build that in, to, uh, to start to really live from that new place. Um, and I think that long-term psychotherapy, um, part of its um, genius, you know, meeting regularly once a week for example um, is that it gives people the space over time to really build in that new possibility mm. um, so that the long-term benefits and this is now proven um, evidentially as well um, one of the good things about psychotherapy is that um, the benefits of it last very much in the long term you know we're talking decades down the line now it's been shown um, as well as just in the instance getting a sort of sense of relief. Um, so personally, I'm really up for trying to work out how these things can work together mm. um,
1: and, and finding ways of integrating them together. Mm. Do you think that, the, I mean, you started by talking about other kinds of social groups, not just families, but presumably something like this could also work with, say, football teams, I don't have you ever worked with football teams? Not
0: football teams, but I have seen it work with with organisations. So you set it up slightly differently. Um, The, as it were, sub-personalities in the organisation, they may be actual people, like, for example, founders. um, In organisations where there are very powerful founding figures, they tend to have a big impact upon the organisation and upon the life of the organisation. But that can, at some point, limit, what's possible in the organization, too. You know, it kind of grows to a certain point, um, but then, as it were, the founder's vision is too small um, and it can hold things in. And so often I've seen organizations turn to Constellations work when they need to grow beyond the original spirit and discover a new spirit that can mm. take them to the next level. Um, things like money, too, in organizations, they, that has a kind of li- lively quality. Money can have a sort of, make its presence known. Um, And it's important in organisations to have the right relationship to money. Mm -hmm. Um, The the philosopher Schopenhauer had a rather nice phrase that captures this in relation to money. He said money is frozen desire. Um, And so that desire needs to be kind of thawed and put to use and be able to flow around the organisation to really facilitate the organisation and Mm -hmm. not become something that uh, limits or stunts the organisation and its growth. Mm. Um, you need to think about relationship to customers, uh, relationship um, to suppliers. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're living organisms, organisations often too. So um, the constellations technique can really help in that respect.
1: Presumably the same would apply to things like schools and colleges.
0: Yep. Um, so uh, I know a figure, um, Judith Hemming, who's a very important figure in British constellations. Um, part of her work has been to work out how to... Um, think about this in relation to schools um, and how classrooms are a system um, and when kids fall into a role and find it hard to get out of that role um, the the system as a whole the class as a whole can actually um, prevent that and so looking at classes um, and how different members of the class take on different roles that can be um, disabling for the individual concerns and then working out how to release that so that the class as a system flows better um, that, that they've uh, you have to do it in a slightly different way there um, because you're working with minors for example um, and you need to work out how to relate um, the, the lives of the children not just to the class but to their parents for example and other aspects of their life so it has to be done carefully but people like Judith have been working on that for quite a long time
1: interesting and um- well groups uh, uh, groups in general have a differentiation of function, just like organs in the body do different things and um, I used to know the a uh, uh, group theorist Arnold Mendel, who used to work with groups, and um, he had this idea that the, the groups have certain roles that people take up he wasn 't thinking historically in terms of inherited roles like in in the family constellations work but no, there tends to be someone who takes on the role of being the person who's grumpy and who does the complaining and voices complaints which other people may feel but may not want to see. Someone else has the role of being sort of nurturing and helpful and stuff. And he gave examples of where uh, in groups if if somebody who has one of those roles leaves the group for one reason or another, then someone else takes up this role. So it's often quite unconscious. Now in in sports teams then the roles are quite clearly defined. You've got strikers and defenders in football, and you've got sort of right wing and left wing and that kind of thing. They have defined roles. But in many social groups, uh, in committees, there's defined roles, chairman, secretary, that kind of thing, uh, treasurer. Um, But there are other less structured groups where people take up these roles.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a nice, simple demonstration of uh, the truth of this systemic view. If you're ever working with a group, um, tell them there's an imaginary line running from the front of the room to the back of the room. And then ask people to go and find their place on the line. And within just a few seconds, without thinking about it, people will find their place on the line. Some will go to the front, some will go to the back, others will be in the middle. And then you can ask them Uh, So who is the eldest child of a large family, for Mm. example? And you'll find that um, more people who are the eldest child of a large family will be at the front of the line. And those who perhaps are the youngest child of a large family will naturally go to the back of the line. Yes. And so these kind of internalized, unconscious ways of thinking about yourself um, in relation to groups are there. Um, And then sure enough, in life, you tend to take up roles that fulfill that. Um, now that may be a flourishing life but it may also be a limiting life and so to become conscious of how maybe there's a new possibility for you and can be really helpful yes
1: I mean one area where I dare say there could be some quite useful and constructive research would be with juries because our entire legal system depends on juries 12 good men and true now 12 good men and women and true Um, and um, These are randomly selected people who are put together in a room and then are asked to select a foreman, but there's no guidance given them, as far as I know, on how the structure could work, and presumably each jury is pretty intense. They are often together for days, in some trials for weeks, and have to interact as a group and reach a decision as a group. And I don't know whether anyone's ever done any research on the dynamics of juries, but This would be—it's almost like a scientific experiment where you put together people selected at random in a room with a role. They're told they've got to have a foreman, Um, but otherwise, um, it's left to them to sort out the dynamics. And um, each jury is different, but there must be certain common principles.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my sense of it is that um, the randomness of the group. uh, is really important in that respect because um, it it tries to minimise. It will never take away, but it tries to minimise, um, as it were, the internal prejudices of the group that might affect their judgement. Mm. Um, you know, if you had a whole family as a jury, um, then it'd be very likely that they would think as one mind, um, mm. and that wouldn't be great for the judgment they were trying to make. Mm. Um, but when you've got there's probably a minimum number, maybe a dozen is about it. Um, the number of permutations are complicated enough to effectively mean it's a sort of random group. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that on the whole, is, uh, the wisdom of time has suggested that's quite good. In ancient Athens, of course, um, juries were, they thought it had to be 501 people. Um, it had to be, a, or men, it had to be a lot a lot bigger. Mm. Um, but that was a much more direct, participative democracy than we have. Mm. Um But yeah, I I imagine that... uh, And and there's something... It takes me back to the workshop idea because uh, in a workshop, you'll typically have, you know, maybe at least 12 people, say 20 people. Um, And there's something about those individuals with all their variety of backgrounds coming together um, in goodwill, um, you know, gifting, as it were, their time in the service of others who are bringing their issues along. Because in a workshop, it's not that everybody will necessarily bring an issue... Um, many people will just be there to facilitate uh, um, mm. the, the pieces of work for the individuals concerned through representing. Um, but I think that gift dynamic itself is really important um, in terms of how it uh, releases and shows the field, shows the dynamic. Mm. Um, I, I don't know whether anyone's done research on this aspect, but um, there's something about um, offering um, yourself to someone else's um, situation Um, And as it were Offering your own uh, Aspects of your own self um, In the service of someone else That's good not just for that other person But often people In fact usually people find it's really good for them too Mm. They themselves feel they've discovered something Mm. And they've understood something about themselves Mm. Um, So That gift economy um, Seems to be really important That that exchange of goodwill Mm. um, in, In terms of showing Um, you know what's going on at these slightly more subliminal levels Mm.
1: well it seems this is all part of a process that we've talked about in different ways of going beyond the kind of individualist paradigm uh, the idea that society is just a collection of autonomous totally free individuals to a much more realistic view which all other cultures apart from ours have simply taken for granted i mean in Africa, in India, in China, the idea that the family is a kind of like an organism and that the deceased members of the family, the past, the ancestors, play a role in that society, and indeed that the descendants, the children as yet unborn, are still part of the social group, is totally part of their way of seeing the world. Yeah. And we've on the whole lost that and reduced everything to this extreme individualism but it doesn't work very well so this is part of a process of rediscovering it in a new way and the very nice thing about the constellations workshop is that even if you feel a bit skeptical before
0: um the minute you see it it makes sense this this happens time and time and time again people feel it and they know it yes and it's something which is shown much better than it's told um, so if I may say, you know, do look out for a constellations workshop and um, even my own constellations
1: workshops, which you can find details about on my website. Exactly. I think it's a, a wonderful movement and um, yeah, I, I certainly think it's of great value myself. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.